May the best brand win with Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. Oh, yeah. Happy Friday, everybody. You are wisely, very wisely tuned to May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. I am Scott. I'm your host and a man who believes that self-driving cars are really all driven by Satan, honestly. <laughs> At least that's somebody driving them in that scenario. <laughs> it's going to... It's going to come out later in the year. They're going to say all self-driving cars, really, just the signal. We've traced the signal, and then the signal comes from hell. I'll, I'll, I'll take Satan over some soulless machine. In fact, Satan's got like a gazillion souls that he's been collecting over time. Man, many. I, I think many, we'd be in, in better hands. That could be a whole show. We could just discuss the, the evil of self-driving cars. But uh, uh, there wouldn't be any time for marketing, and that would be unfortunate. With me on the air, as you can hear, is a man who drives himself everywhere he goes, uh, making it all work from outside Miramar Air Force Base in San Diego. It's Paul B. How you doing, Paul? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm going to get me a chauffeur here pretty soon, though. Like This driving yourself is for suckers. <laughs> I could see it. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, You know, I don't know. The self-driving cars. That's not even a topic of the show. I just thought that would be a fun intro. I know. Just like I, I, I give, you know, just cold chills just thinking about it every time my uh, my computer decides to just reboot on me while I'm in the middle of doing work because it decides it's time for an update. I know. I know. And, and imagine <laughs> it, does it doesn't well. happen at 60 miles an hour. There's a truck coming at you and it says... Hang on, we need to update the firmware right now. Windows is ready for the reboot. (laughs) And you're like, oh, that's okay. Boom, boom. (sighs) That could be bad. And uh, you ever see those cars? You ever ever see the people that like auto park their cars and they they do like a parallel park action with like the auto park? I've never seen it in action, no. Just like in commercials or and stuff, but never in real life. It's really freaky. I mean, that's a lot of trust. That's a lot of trust. And I understand they say, they're like, oh, they've got front and rear cameras and it's got radar and it's got all these things. I'm like, yeah, you know, but machines are fallible and, you know, you'll still be liable. When so it, when when, whenever fails. you see a car parallel parking and the driver inside looks like they're praying instead of having their hands <laughs> on the wheel, that's what's going on. I get it. They've got a book that's open. They're just, they're, they're just, they're completely uninterested in the parking experience that's going on. Well, fun. Well, uh, if you have any questions for me out there in Intertalk Radio Land, you can always catch me at Scott at Robertsoncom2ms.com and I will answer anything marketing related or self driving car related right here on this show. And you can also find my posts, uh, my client news clips, other fun tidbits uh, at the Robertsoncom Facebook page, which I know it might surprise you, but it's at facebook.com slash. Wait for it. Robertsoncom. That's right. Or Twitter at, what would you guess that would be? Exactly. At Twitter, at Robertsoncom on Twitter. See, it all like flows together. It's like a marketing effort when you think of it that way. But uh, reach out and connect with me. You'll be entertained. And hopefully I can give you some tips too. Today's episode, which is episode 35, if you're keeping score at home. Uh, 35 already. Amazing. We're going to talk about, I, I call it going all gorilla. Uh, and uh, really, I just want to talk about the idea of guerrilla marketing. And, you know, in 1984, the groundbreaking book, Guerrilla Marketing, really changed the way that all brands looked at the rules of, of spreading the word, getting the word out. But, you know, that was a long time ago, uh, in 1984. 
And really, you know, we should talk about what it means to go gorilla in 2016 and 2017. And of course, on this show, uh, like we always do every week, we'll be talking about who's winning and who's losing in this lovely pre-Thanksgiving special heartwarming episode of May the Best Brand Win. And uh, if we do our job right today, everybody's going to learn a valuable lesson. Everybody's going to grow a little bit. Just, you know, I, I hope you grow, you know, special heartwarming episode of the show today. So let's talk about guerrilla marketing. What inspired me to talk about guerrilla marketing was Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, specifically, um, I play video games because I'm a 46-year-old child and I play a lot of video games. It's sad, but it's actually true. And uh, I play uh, Battlefield 1 which, uh, you know, Battlefield, this game that just came out, and it's all about World War One. and there's a, a section of it that's all about Lawrence of Arabia. And, you know, you forget about Lawrence of Arabia, but Lawrence of Arabia was a, a fascinating figure, controversial figure in, in history, uh, played an important role in World War One. You should look that up. It's a, it's not only was it a, a great movie back in the day, um, you know, fantastic book as well. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia was a British operative that basically worked and and sort of introduced is one of the one of the first uh, times that guerrilla tactics were really sort of used um, used and documented and sort of attributed to an individual. But um, what what fascinated me about it was the fact that you know in the in the video game Lawrence of Arabia goes over his entire strategy, which is basically to make the enemy weaker while you're making yourself stronger, to use their resources against them, uh, to strike you know stealthy and you know and hard but not necessarily march you know along uh, you know a battlefield like traditional warfare uh attack at night attack silently attack um you know in, in unexpected ways and always with the idea of making yourself stronger while making your opponent weaker um and really that's the focus if you've read the the book um you know guerrilla marketing you know which came out you know back in the day it's really all about that and and really it's a it's a strategy it's a concept that's designed obviously guerrilla most things in business by the way come from warfare so if you ever ever hear me talking about uh warfare and then i switch gears to business that's pretty natural because almost everything that we have in our marketing playbook, every one of those terms, you know, um, that, and I think I've discussed that on a, on a previous show, almost every one of those business strategy terms, they come from war strategy. They, it's a, so it's, it's very much – and guerrilla warfare, you know, obviously uh, it, it was a, a, uh, you know, a strategy that's kind of used in warfare before it was you know, used in marketing. But since this show isn't about warfare, as it turns out, and it's not about video games either, amazingly enough, it actually is about marketing. And uh, guerrilla marketing is really a concept designed for businesses that promote their products and services in an unconventional way, usually with little budget to spend. It uh, usually involves um, sort of an investment in high energy and imagination, grasping the attention of the public in what um, has been defined as a more personal and a memorable level. Now, some larger companies use unconventional advertising techniques, you know, proclaiming to be guerrilla marketing, but those companies usually have a larger budget and the brand is already visible. So um, for it to really qualify as guerrilla marketing, usually there's very little budget. And usually the brand is, you know, fighting for its position. And again, we're going to talk about kind of what it meant then and sort of what it means today, because it, it certainly has evolved. Um, so, you know, from the time when the, the, the term was co coined, as I mentioned, in 1984, uh, in the middle of the 80s, 
you know, by a guy named Jay Conrad Levinson, who wrote the book Guerrilla Marketing. Still a very good book, by the way. And certainly, um, if you came up on a marketing coursework in college, um, you have run into Mr. Levinson's work because it's required reading in a great many programs. Um, it's important because it was so different and because it challenged the um, status quo of how brands were built. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, we're going to talk about, again, what it means today. But I thought I would get into a couple of things first. That, that there's, a lot of, there's a lot of terms in, um, in the book and in the, in the idea of, um, uh, of guerrilla marketing in general. But let's, let's dig into a couple of these. So types of guerrilla marketing. There's something called um, ambient marketing. And basically that is using available physical surfaces to convey messages that elicit a consumer engagement. Um, so basically placing advertising in sort of unusual and unexpected places. Now, of course, that uh, can change. Uh, what is um, you know novel today, I mean, if you put an ad on a toilet seat, you know, today... Well, you're not expecting the ad to be there, to be honest. Uh, but it's not completely out of left field either because we've seen that. We've seen people do things in bathrooms. We've, we've, we've seen that. You know, we, we've you know, lived through it. So every time somebody does it, you know, then it becomes a little bit less novel and, and those kind of things. But ambient marketing is really, really interesting. Um, when you see just basically just when you start start to see signage and marketing um symbology and that sort of thing in um in places where you're not expecting it like um you know the hand dryers and bathrooms sometimes you'll see that sometimes you'll see I don't know why I keep bringing up bathrooms just because you usually don't see marketing messages in there uh not professional branding marketing messages um but ambient really again, uses the physical environment. Now, ambush marketing is really when, um, it's when uh, the, the organization basically doesn't have an official or direct connection to an event or property, yet they're sort of ambushing. And again, you know, military term, obviously, right? What's an ambush? You know, they're all resting. They're having, they're, the enemy's having dinner down on the hillside below. Lawrence of Arabia comes riding in when they're least expecting it. And slaughters them, right? Instead of like the proper way to do warfare, which is to announce your presence and da, 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 here we come down and now we're marching across the plains. And, and then you meet your people in a very civilized manner and you kill each other in a very civilized manage, manner. But again, Lawrence of Arabia was into ambushes. He would wait till they were and they were not ready. And then he would come on riding down the hill, you know, and um, and that gives you a distinct advantage because, you know, they're not ready. They're not expecting it. All these kind of things um, for it to be now ambush marketing. You might think, oh, trade shows are great. You know, trade shows would be great to do ambush marketing. We don't have to pay to be at the trade show. And then, but we can, we can come in and we can steal the show with our um, large tractor trailer truck that has a big sign for Gibson on it, let's say. I don't know why I said Gibson. Oh, because I used to work at NAM. That's why. And they do that. But, uh, uh, you know, basically that is also known uh, in a trade show world as what's called outboarding. Um, and it's illegal. It's written in the exhibitor, uh, you know, agreements. It's written in the membership agreements of NAM, for example, and the Consumer Electronics Association. That if you're going to be kind of like part of the club, 
um, you know, then you're not going to do things around the show. You're not going to take advantage of all the benefits that a trade show provides and not uh, support the show. Um, so you always have to kind of balance that. Obviously, you know, marketing's a relationship business, as we talk about. So if you're going to ambush a show, you want to be careful. You want to be careful. It does say something about your brand um, that man that may or may not be a positive thing, depending. Um, you know, before I started working in trade shows, before I worked for Nam, I really didn't see anything wrong with um, you know showing up at the show. There's lots of media there, doing some meetings under NDA, and not really exhibiting at the show. But as I've come to be educated, you know, from my time working, you know, in the trade show space, um, that's not really good for anybody because if the trade show doesn't do well, then all the benefits that you're trying to get from the trade show, you know, they're not going to work out for you in the long run anyway. And plus, it's not going to be. It's just, um, it's just sort of a below board, you know, way to run things. So, again, that's ambient and ambush. Let's talk about viral or buzz marketing. There's probably no term in marketing that's more misunderstood or misused than viral or buzz marketing. So what is it? Viral marketing is a strategy that really encourages individuals to pass on a marketing message to others, which creates a potential for exponential growth uh, for the message's exposure and influence. Like a virus, for example. You know, we yeah, virus lives on because it infects the host and then you spread it on you spread it on and spread it on it's very hard to um to kill uh same kind of thing in marketing um obviously uh hopefully with a positive uh idea of a positive impact and not trying to infect the world but viral marketing is sometimes referred to as word of mouth uh creating a buzz leveraging the media yada 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 but viral marketing and, and buzz marketing really uses high-profile media to encourage the public to discuss the brand and product. And sm smart people like you in the audience are probably going, well, Scott, that sounds an awful lot like public relations. Yeah, it does. Uh, buzz marketing is usually a little bit more um, – when I've heard it used – and again, it just depends on who's using it. But I, but I will say when it's used, it's usually short-term. Public relations is usually a long-term um, effort, and buzz marketing is about, well, how do we own Christmas? How do we own, you know, the 4th of July? You know, how do we own these kind of uh, – it's usually around, um, you know, dates like that. And it's about um, – again, it is something using the, the high-profile media and trying to get, a you know, a quote-unquote a buzz going for the brand or product. Um, and it certainly can be effective. I mean, you see things like Nintendo's new gaming system, um, the Switch, you know, where it has a um, you know a screen that pops out of it, and really they just start to get high-profile influencers on in the, on the web talking about it. They seed the product out. Of course, we always talked about the rules of how you do that correctly, right? Because you don't want to be caught trying to buy the buzz. That's not that's only appropriate in California now that we have legalized marijuana, and and Colorado to be honest, but very different kind of buzz too, by the way, not nearly as fun, not, you know, from my, my perspective, not nearly as fun. So that's what viral and buzz marketing are. You know, um, I do want to, I want to spend a little bit of time just talking about astroturfing, uh, which, uh, you may not be familiar with the, um, you may not be familiar with the term, but it also, it, it falls into the, um, the modern day guerrilla marketing strategies. So, uh, it derives from 
you know, artificial turf used in stadiums or tennis courts, fake grass. What can I tell you? So it's like it gets it's like fake endorsements, fake testimonials and fake recommendations. That's what astroturfing is. Um, it's basically um, and, and I know what you're thinking, you know, uh, well, Scott, why in your right mind would you want to have a bunch of fake reviews? Yeah, I mean, why did I receive 100 spam email messages since uh, 9 o'clock this morning? Uh, because people in marketing, some people in marketing are awful and should be beaten with a big stick, honestly. Uh, and astroturfing falls in that, um, that same kind of you should be beaten with a big stick sort of methodology. Uh, don't do it. Don't, don't do that. Don't ever do anything that's fake to your brand. Remember, we're in the long run here. We're about long-term relationships. You don't ever want to sacrifice that. Um, You don't want to have a negative detrimental effect on your brand. Um, You don't want to do things that aren't authentic. And people are saying, well, what if I do something that's authentic and I don't get caught? Just, Just don't. You know, seriously, just there's so many great things to do that, that you don't need to you don't need to engage in those kind of things. Um, so, you know, there are so many different things that you can talk about when you're talking about. I mean, street marketing is a great example too. bands use street marketing quite a bit. That's an unconventional means of really advertising and promoting where the main goal is really to encourage consumers to remember and recall the brand and the product marketed, you know, street marketing for record releases and things like that. They send out young people out there and they talk to other young people. It's, it's kind of like word of mouth, but they, you know, gets its name because do things on the street. Lots of things to go gorilla. And right now, my fellow gorilla marketers, you are tuned to May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. Come on back. We're going to talk about who's winning and who is losing. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio, to sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al DiMiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on? Hi, I'm Tim Dolbear, the host of Sound Experience on Intertalk Radio. Each week, I talk with top professional audio engineers, producers, musicians, and the manufacturers that make the tools that we use in the studio each and every day. From capturing the perfect take to mastering your final release and the tools and how the pros use them, we are going to dive deep into their process and learn from their experience. I look forward to you joining us each week on Sound Experience with me, your host, Tim Dolbear. 
Hey, it's Tracy Smith and Beth Venus of Girls Talk Rock right here on the Inner Talk Radio Network. Every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Okay, Beth, they know that, but we want you to know that the industry pro's choice is Silver Tiger Production. STP is a full-service production agency offering sound, lighting, installations, talent buying, staffing, backline equipment, rental, and sales. Kapow! It's everything in the entertainment performance industry. It's all at... It's all that! SilverTigerProduction.com. May the best brand win with Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. Hey, hey, happy Friday, everybody. You are back with May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in music biz talk. I am Scott, hanging out with Paul. We're talking about guerrilla marketing. Paul, what do you like? Um, as far as guerrilla marketing, Harambe. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. Mm. So you, uh, are you a guerrilla marketer? Would you consider yourself that? I guess so. To an extent. I always, I say, all my clients are cause they have no budget. Oh, but up bum, but up bum. There you go. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, it's you know it's fun and 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 stick around for segment three because we're going to give you some tips on how you can go gorilla yourself. But let's dig right into the winning and the losing, shall we? Uh, which is what we like to do here on segment two: the winning and the losing. Uh, you know, the first thing I've got in the losing category is uh, humanity. You know, humankind. Uh, renowned theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking, you know, recently spoke at the Oxford Union earlier this week, and he says that we've only got about a thousand years, humanity's only got about a thousand years left here on uh, lovely and scenic planet Earth. Um, and uh, really, it's, a, it, it's all about um, our, his desire and, and the need that he continues to express for us to leave this planet and uh, colonize other worlds. Um, which may sound like, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is that Elon Musk has all kinds of plans to colonize the hell out of Mars, you know, and he's all over that thing. I mean, there is an action plan that is incredibly and and massively detailed for us to go explore and live on the red planet. I think I, I expressed that when he did that first press conference about Mars, um, you know, it's not just like a, hey, I think we should go to Mars. He's like, we should go to Mars, and here are exactly the steps that we need to take to do it. And there's like a timeline. I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, that dude doesn't seem to miss many deadlines, and that looks like that is absolutely going to happen. Uh, but anyway, needs to happen because we only have about a thousand years left. Uh, and, you know, we don't, humanity, we don't ever think about the fact that our days actually could be numbered, you know, on this planet. But um, Hawking seems to think so. And he's a pretty smart guy. What is he basing that on, do you know? Oh, let's see what he says. He says, it will be difficult enough to avoid a disaster on this planet in the next hundred years, let alone the next thousand or million. So basically he is saying that uh, he doesn't have much faith in our ability not to destroy ourselves or destroy the environment to the point where we can't inhabit this planet anymore. I don't know about stuff like that. I, I mean, like, what... What planet are you going to go to that's, you know, even, you know, say, say worst case scenario, global thermonuclear war, all, all, all stuff like that. It's still, you know, 
a screwed up earth like you you go somewhere else mars doesn't even have an atmosphere no plants no no nothing like you got to start from scratch i don't see how that's better <laughs> it's certainly uh we're certainly at the infancy of how that stuff uh, is going to play out but man musk has got quite a quite a lot of stuff going on uh for for making that stuff real it's uh it's crazy but anyway i'm going to put humanity in the losing column because we've only got a thousand years left according to hawking and dude's pretty smart so probably somebody should start paying attention uh winning this week uh, I'm going to put Taco Bell in the winning category. And I go back and forth on Taco Bell all the time, as you know, from listening to the show. But uh, what they've done, so they, they've unveiled a new logo. They've unveiled a new clothing line, <laughs> which, I mean, hey, they, if demand's there, I'd take my money now. Yes, please take, you know, so they, they've unveiled a series of, uh, a few new things they unveiled this week. A new flagship restaurant in Las Vegas, which serves alcoholic drinks. So it's like, uh, and shareable menu items. So very different menu in this Vegas location, which I'm looking forward to checking out. I'm going to go to CES. I'm going to go check out the new Las Vegas cantina style freaky Taco Bell. I'll see if I can post some stuff to Facebook on that thing. Uh, and it's the fourth urban styled restaurant they've launched, but they launched a new logo. It's kind of flatter design. It has, um, it's a little bit, a little bit simpler. If you've seen the new logo, um, it's, it's it's definitely simpler. It has less um, less detail, uh, less things drawn around the the edges of the bell and those kind of things. So it kind of it, it follows a lot of what Martin Marketing is doing with its uh, flatter design. Um, but the, the the clothing line is really fascinating to me because they sell um, Taco Bell Taco Bell branded items: hats, bikinis. Yes, ladies, you too can have Taco Bell on your really shirts, rings rings uh and sweatshirts uh at the las vegas restaurant now now i like a a taco bell i mean i like taco bell i gotta say but i can't imagine i can't imagine ever wearing it on t-shirt or anything else i can't i can't imagine that being a brand that i'm like oh yeah you know what i'm with uh, you know what i'm with taco bell i wear taco bell on my t-shirt every time i eat one it just always ends up on my shirt (laughs) Uh, yeah this is intentionally though this is intentional Mm. branding but i'm gonna put taco bell in the winning category because man talk about shaking it up doing some really wild stuff that is way outside their comfort zone and uh, and it may pay off for them um and, and like I said, I'm anxious. I mean, I, when I read the story about the new Las Vegas restaurant, I was like, hey, a Taco Bell that sells alcohol and different menu items? Why not? Let's go check that thing out. So anyway, that's going to happen. There you go. Let's talk about uh, what's next here. Let's talk about the fake news. Let's talk about the fake news. I, I'm going to put this in the losing category. Lots of discussion about Facebook and um and, and basically some of the Facebook employees have formed a task force to battle, quote unquote, fake news that's all over Facebook. And uh, no, uh, no surprise here that a lot of it was politically, um, you know, driven uh, in recent months. So the idea that fake news on uh, the idea has been suggested that fake news on Facebook actually uh, turned people's perceptions towards Donald Trump. And Zuckerberg called that a pretty crazy idea. But what uh, a lot of people have said, including just today, here Friday, uh, President Obama came out and basically said that a lot of the fake news on Facebook uh, was, you know, you know, to blame for, you know, Hillary losing, Trump winning, that sort of thing. 
Uh, you always have kind of a buyer bewares type of you know thing. First of all, Facebook is not. It was not designed to be a news source. It really, it really wasn't. It was, it was designed to be a social network, um, and then you know, news sources live other places. So it is kind of interesting to see the blurring of lines, and then how some people think it's the, um, the paper. It reminds me of the scene like in the Mike Myers movie, "So I Married an Axe Murderer," where his mom always consults the paper, but the paper for her was the tabloid, like the National Enquirer. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, I didn't read it in the paper." And they're like, Ed, you're, you're just laughing through the whole movie going, that's the paper. But uh, the same thing's happening with Facebook where people are looking at that going, oh, well, that's the paper. It's in, look, it's printed in the Facebook. It couldn't be, you know. And it's like, yeah, it could be. It could be totally fake. It could be totally fake and on purpose. Like, So I'm going to put Facebook in the, in the losing category uh, because they've got a lot of fake news to battle and because they've got this whole issue now um, of – uh, of sort of being um, called into question of being, you know, responsible for, you know, political outcomes, uh, which to me, no more so than, you know, just n- no more so than anybody else, uh, you know, the rest of the media who just behaved horribly in this last uh, presidential election. And believe me, as a public relations person, like I said, we have a vested, our profession has a vested interest in people trusting the media. Our entire profession is based on the premise that people trust the media. If the media starts screwing up and start getting bought and start getting and start doing all kinds of things, it destroys the public relations profession in a way that nothing else could. I mean, if all of a sudden the media didn't work, then we'd have to go you know, I don't know. We have to go back to the well, you know, and find something something that did work. So, um, anyway, but I digress. Be deep, cleansing breath, and we're on to who else is losing, and that would be Coca Cola. Yes, your friends at Coca Cola have um, has introduced what they call the selfie bottle. Yes, yes, this is exactly as horrible as you think it is. Basically, it is a uh, a selfie Coke, which comes with a camera that's fitted to the bottom of the bottle and a sensor detects when there's a 70 degree drinking tilt and the camera snaps a photo because, you know, what you need is a photo of yourself drinking Coke. Uh, it's currently only available in Israel, uh, which yeah, I don't know why that would be, by the way. But the agency that designed it with Coke is certain that it's a it's a game changer that will enhance party experiences like nothing before. I'm not sure what parties they've been to, but very few of them in, with adults involve drinking Coke, unless it is a blank and Coke, right? Uh, yeah. So what makes partygoers more present and active than during the event than knowing they can share special moments just by drinking? You can share special moments of you drinking because there's nothing more interesting in the world than you freaking drinking a Coke. And ladies and gentlemen, that's real. That's happening. That's a thing. Pretty soon you're going to see the damn selfie bottle here in the United States. And I weep for everyone involved with the whole project. Sounds like something to do while you're uh, riding in your driverless car. Exactly. That sh- little selfie of yourself. Hey, now if it comes in Diet Coke, well, now I'm in. Mm. Now I'm in. How, now how, I'm in. how cheap are cameras now that you could just like throw disposable ones onto a Coke can? A bottle. 
Yeah, Bob, yeah, absolutely. Uh, no kidding, right? That's I, I think that's pretty wild. It's uh, it's wild. What can you say? Well, let's move on, shall we? You should look up the selfie bottle at your leisure. You guys will enjoy, uh, you know, seeing the story for yourself. I think I posted it to my Facebook page too. If you are too lazy for that whole thing, uh, TV is is losing. This is fascinating to me. A study that came out in eMarketer shows that more people are multitasking while watching TV. And we've all kind of seen this in our own lives, right? Mobile devices are really our companions to many people when you watch TV, whether you're browsing related content or you're discussing something socially. And more and more TV and video viewers are really participating in second screen activities currently than did so two years ago. So some research from Ericsson, uh, which came out in uh, eMarketer this week, you know, and they surveyed people about this. And, and basically they found out that more respondents are conducting digital activities via smartphone or tablet while at the very same time watching TV than they did in 2014. So less than a quarter of TV and video viewers said they browsed the Internet two years ago. And basically um, here in 2016, nearly a third of respondents are, are doing so. And I see this in my own household all the time. And, you've, and, um, and certainly when I'm watching football – I'm almost always checking my fantasy scores, you know, at the exact same time. And I'm almost always looking up other players that I could possibly put into the waiver system for the next week and that sort of thing. So so I definitely, um, you know, I'm starting to see that. Now, how that plays out in marketing is, is the question of do you have a uh, an audience that is um, your audience? Do you really have the audience just because the TV's on? and your ads are running, um, are they really being watched? Or are people, uh, when the commercials are on, are they on their mobile devices and that kind of thing? Because if it can be proven that they aren't watching, then it's going to be extraordinarily difficult for marketers to fork over a bunch of money for advertising, you know, unless they do some kind of clever second screen that links in with your current screen. And then it gets creepy and it's like privacy related and you don't really want to know, have the TV be smart enough to know what you're watching so that your mobile screen, um, you know, backs up the same kind of thing. I think it's interesting, though. Uh, definitely something for us marketers to pay attention to is the second screen phenomenon, particularly as it relates to television. Also in in um, the losing category, I'm going to put humanity. No, uh, uh, basically, uh, Oxford came out with its word of the year for 2016, and the word is post-truth. If you haven't heard post-truth used... It means relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. <laughs> so you, uh, it's kind of interesting because um, in this year of elections and Brexit and, and, and all that kind of thing, and don't forget where Oxford is, right? Everybody's clear on that. So um, it's kind of interesting to see where the, uh, the, the post-truth word is uh, is coming from but i think again it it shows it, it shows something right basically what they're saying is facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than emotion or belief now to me that's always been true you know as a as a branding person i mean i did a whole show on and, and basically say uh, emotion always beats facts um and, and i mean when i say that i mean it beats it at a neurological level it's like you don't have a choice like where, where you could say, I've got this lovely factual argument and I have this emotional argument. And you're like, we're not wired that way. 
we're not wired that way. And it's real important as a marketer that you get on that train, right? You need to understand how the human brain works. And that appeal to emotion and personal belief is going to beat the crap out of objective facts every day and twice on Sunday. It's going to happen. But anyway, I'm going to th- go ahead and throw humanity and as the post-truth becomes our word of the year. I think uh, uh, Homer Simpson said it best. Facts. Pff, you could use facts to prove anything. Facts can be used to prove anything. So true. It's so true. Well, also losing this week. Companies, did you know, did you know, and you probably didn't, but let's say you did, that more millennials out there, oh, those millennials, they are not connecting with the company mission. Uh, in a Gallup survey that uh, I read uh, a couple of days ago, millennials uh, it's the number of millennials who are connecting with the company's mission is down significantly. Only 40% of them feel strongly connected to the company's mission. Uh, and there, and, and this, um, study, some of the, the, the takeaways that they have, um, uh, discussed in this story is that millennials sense of purpose is alarmingly low and companies need to show millennials how they further the mission. Uh, and basically how crucial it is to connect your purpose with your organizational identity. Well, that's important for branding anyway, by the way. Um, but if you have a millennials working for you, you should know that the um, mission statement, um, you know, ne- needs to be connected to what they feel like their part of the mission statement is going to be. I think that's interesting because you meet with a lot of companies and you read their mission statements and it looks like it was created like a mission statement generator. You know, and it's a bunch of words, but they don't really say anything. Um, and and if you have one of those mission statements, you know, then you probably just have it because it was part of a team building exercise, and you know, it's right before the trust fall and the and the discussing the, the you know the airing of grievances and and who stepped on your feelings this week and that kind of thing. But pay attention to that survey. I would advise you to go check out that Gallup survey about millennials and company mission. And that's who's winning and who's losing this week. On May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio. Come on back in segment three. I'm going to give you some tips that you can use to go gorilla. See you in a few. Hi, I'm Tim Dolbear, the host of Sound Experience on Intertalk Radio. Each week, I talk with top professional audio engineers, producers, musicians, and the manufacturers that make the tools that we use in the studio each and every day. From capturing the perfect take to mastering your final release and the tools and how the pros use them, we are going to dive deep into their process and learn from their experience. I look forward to you joining us each week on Sound Experience with me, your host, Tim Dolbear. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio, to sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal on stage and into the big time dropping beats shredding guitar or making the crowd roar whatever you dream pitbull audio can help make it happen we are pitbull audio we want you to play it loud pitbullaudio.com girls are talking rock again and people are listening today we're talking bands let's talk promotion 
Red Giant promo, graphics, EPKs, video, photos, social media, and brand building using content marketing. But let's talk studio at CCMA, which is events, rehearsal, tour prep, piano, guitar, voice, rock band, lessons, workshops, and clinics. Yeah. Both proud sponsors of Girls Talk Rock. Get the lowdown on these services and contact me, Tracy, at girlstalkrock.com. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al DiMiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on? May the best brand win with Scott Robertson's Music Biz Marketing Strategies. Now, here's your host, Scott Robertson. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. Happy Friday, everybody. You are still tuned to May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader in Music Biz Talk. I'm still Scott. We just did Winning and Losing. With me is Paul B. Hey, Paul, hey. What, did, what did you like? Oh, in in Facebook's defense, with all the fake news, real news is hard to distinguish from fake news at this point. Things are getting pretty surreal out there. No kidding, especially CNN. By, by the way, I want to call your attention to um, – I didn't get a chance to mention this in Winning and Losing, but um, Adam Sandler uh, does a new song that uh, that you're going to want to check out. I posted it to the face, my Facebook page. But it's on, he, it was on Conan uh, last night or the night before. And he basically, it, it's a song about his old chair. <laughs> and it is uh, absolutely, it's, it's pure Adam Sandler gold, man. It is, you definitely have to check it out. It's about uh, his special relationship with this old chair. And it is, um, it is hysterically funny. I, you know, absolutely encourage everybody to check that out. Uh, you can just go up to Conan, uh, Conan O'Brien's website, Conan.com, I believe it is. And um, you can check it out there or you can find it on, on Robertson.com Facebook page. But check that out. You will enjoy that. I didn't get a chance to mention that, but that's definitely winning. There's no way your day is not winning after watching that awesome song from Sandler. Well, good. So we are here in segment three. And we are talking about going gorilla. And, you know, I have some tips for you. But the first thing I wanted to bring up before I hit the tips is um, the fact that, you know, big companies still do things that they try to put in the, in the area of gorilla. For example, um, this week, Ford um, uh, unveiled its new subcompact SUV, the EcoSport. Uh, not on TV, not on Facebook, not on anything else, but on Snapchat. Believe it or not, they used a Snapchat. And I told you, Snapchat's going public, right? Huge billion-dollar evalu- valuation for this company on Wall Street. Really interesting to see how a marketer is using this. They used um, Snapchat sensation uh, DJ Khalid, uh, you know, and he unveiled the thing for them. Uh, obviously, they paid him. Uh, he's a... DJ and a rap music performer, but he's best known for his appearances on Snapchat, and and it's based, and Snapchat is a social media platform that's you know got a lot of photos and a lot of video because you know why read words when you can just look at pictures you know it's like the 
Wally version of, uh, you know, uh, communications coming at you. So uh, I thought it was interesting. You've got a big company like Ford. Um, they've got and they made the decision to unveil the thing, to unveil the new the new car. Uh, also, not at an auto show, not at anywhere else. And, you know, all those conventional tactics that they have at their disposal. And and Ford has a huge budget. You know, so you can't really ever call Ford, you know, too gorilla because, you know, big, massive company, big budget, that kind of thing. They're not exactly um, Lawrence of Arabia and his, um, you know, and his band of, uh, of fighters. But um, it, it is interesting that they unveiled it on Snapchat, I thought. And it's the first car, what they say? They said it was the first uh, car ever to uh, be unveiled using the platform. Um, although Ford has used so, social media platforms here and there to unveil new vehicles um, since, uh, uh, I guess, 2010 was the last time that they did that. But I think that's interesting lead-in to what we're talking about here when we start to talk about, uh, you know, we're talking about guerrilla marketing, doing things different in sort of an unconventional ways. Um, so I'm going to give you a few tips, as I like to do in segment three when we start talking about uh, – Takeaway value for you, the listener at home. And here's my first tip. Don't get super hung up on budget or money. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, the budget or money conversation, you know, comes out first. And people sort of make the decision that they don't have a lot of budget or money for this product. And so they start to kind of limit their expectations about what they can do. I think a much Better way to focus, you know, sort of using our Lawrence of Arabia guerrilla marketing thing is you want to flip that around, you know, um, you know, budget or money is a is a traditional way that you would look at how to roll something out. But what if you started to focus on, you know, what is our value? What what is our place in the world? You know, what need are we meeting for people? What problem are we solving? What why is the world going to be a better place, you know, for blank audience because of this? If you start with sort of open-ended, you know, conversations like that, um, the money question, you know, will will come. You know, are you going to be able to advertise in the Super Bowl? No, you're not. But what if you have something that, you know, could attract an audience that's as large as the Super Bowl viewing audience somewhere else? You know, what if you, you know, could do something on Snapchat? What if you could do something that, that's very big, you know, um, you know, in a very kind of viral and guerrilla way? But I think the, the, our first step, you know, if we're going to become guerrilla marketers is we got we to gotta acknowledge the fact that, you know, we're not going to win the battle based on lining up toe-to-toe with the enemy and having a polite war on the, you know, where they march at you and you march at them. And we're not going to have a nice polite war because if we do that, we're going to get slaughtered. So we're going to do what Lawrence of Arabia would do, which is no rules, no rules. We're going to, we're not going to play by any of those rules. We're going to focus on our, we're going to find out where our value is, where our place in the world is. And then we're going to allow our brains to just go, well, if our objective was to take over this market share, you know, what are all the ways that we could do it? Not just the ways that we could buy our way in. Um, by the way, 
uh, I've launched a lot of things with public relations with very little money, comparatively speaking, and they've had way more power and way more influence than anything that you could buy. Because, uh, and I will just let you on in on a little secret. Um, we've all grown up with advertising. It does not work very well with us. It just doesn't. It doesn't convince us. It uh, it doesn't have that role anymore. It can have a good supporting role. It can have a good you know informative, supporting, entertaining role. It can always have that kind of role. I think as we discussed in a previous uh, conversation, we talked about paid media. But a previous show, we talked about paid media. But um, again, let's focus on value. Let's focus on our place in the world. Uh, tip number two, you know, have a plan. Lawrence of Arabia had a plan. It may seem like he was, you know, uh, you know, going by the seat of his pants all the time. And he did improv- improvise quite a lot, um, you know, in his battles because he had to. But he had a plan. And his, his plan was just radically different. He just said, we're not going to engage the enemy in the way that they are expecting. We're going to engage them in a way that they are not expecting. And we're, and we're, going, to, um, we're going to win because of our ability, because of the strengths that we have. The fact that we, are not, we don't have a large group of, of soldiers, so we can be mobile. You know, We don't have um, a huge chain of command, so we can move quickly. We can move with stealth. We can move and we can strike. Um, same kind of thing. If you only have three people in your company and you're like, oh, man, I only have three people in my company and the competitor you know, has uh, 500, well, what do you have that they don't? I will tell you the first thing that you have that they don't is that you can move quickly and with no politics. And in their you know, thousand-person organization, they got to have memos. They got to have meetings. They got to have team building exercises. They got to have trust falls. They got to have performance reviews. They got to have all these kind of things. You're unencumbered from any of that corporate BS, and you can move with stealth and you can strike like they cannot. And it's important, as a, um, believe me, I love startup companies for just that reason. Uh, as you might imagine from listening to the show, I'm not a big fan of of uh, getting weighed down in a lot of people's processes that don't lead anywhere, you know, close to a, a positive result. Um, you know, I like to work with companies where we can make moves, where we can do things that are unconventional, where we can, um, you know, we can actually kind of play out a, a real strategy. But again, as tip two advises us here, we want to make sure we have a plan. Always have a plan. It's very important to have it and understand, again, all the things that come with the plan. We've had did a whole show on planning, so go and download that one and make sure you've got it. But, you know, make sure you've, you, you know, when you have a plan, you've done your recon, you've done your research, you know, you, you know about your resources, you know how you're going to measure things, you know what your execution plan is going to be, you know what your backup plan to case the plan goes south is going, going to be too. You know about all those things. It's, it's incredibly, incredibly important to be able to do that. Tip number three, you know, research your, com- research your competitors and, um, n- you know, wa- and, and research them in this way. You want to look for patterns about how they launch things. Your competitors, if they always launch things at trade shows, great. Okay, they're gonna, you know what they're going to do. That's their plan. A lot of people in the business world, particularly in larger companies, they start to fall in love with what they did last. You know, 
oh, well, what did we do last year? Or what did we do this? You know, oh, well, if we did it last year, then let's just dust it off and change a few words and, and that kind of thing. Right. You know, we, remember that appearance of marketing stuff that we talk about? Right. That's when you start to see that, uh, you know, really come to pass. Um, if you can see those patterns from your competitors, you know, take your top three competitors in the marketplace and really analyze what they do. How do they launch? What um, you know, what means they use? Is, is there a lot of paid going on? Are they doing a lot of paid? Do they have a lot of earned? Are they doing a lot of stuff on social? What, where do they have? And then you can, um, you know, you can devise your own strategy to kind of zig when they zag. And, I, and so few companies really do this. This is real marketing, by the way. Real marketing is smarts. It's when you're sitting in the battle tent and you're going, it looks like they're trying to take this hill, this hill, and this hill. How can we stop that? And which hills can we take? And what can we do? You know, that's the fun part. It's like a big old game of Stratego or Risk or something. You know, it's like, it's absolutely that. That's real marketing. When you are researching people, when you have a reason, and when people say, why are you doing this? You say, well, the reason we're doing this is because we have a, we have a strategy to take market share in this way, in this way, in this way, Right. Um, and you'd be amazed at how many big companies I meet with. I'm like, why are we doing this? And they're like, well, um, because we did it last year and it worked and it drove some sales and that kind of thing. And I'm like, that's not a reason. That's not a, you know, that's not a, that's not a Lawrence of Arabia reason, right? Do better, better than that. Research your competitors. Zig when they zag. You will be better than they are. That is the plan. That is actually 100% of the plan when you think about it. So make sure that you're, you're doing that research. Number four, use your opponent's resources against them. Oh, man, if Lawrence of Arabia in World War I was known for one thing, it was raiding supply lines, right? Raid supply lines, raid supply tents, raid, raiding things. And then why would he do that? Why were those targets for him? Because then he wouldn't have to spend money buying additional ammunition for his troops. He would just take the enemy's, you know, ammunition and shoot it back at them, right? Ultimate guerrilla warfare is using their resources against them. Now, I know you say, wow, Scott, you play way too much Battlefield. I can just, I can feel it. I can see it. I I can tell that your life is all about you playing video games in a dark room in the PlayStation 4 and and dreaming up new radio shows and you wouldn't be wrong. I'm going to tell you, but you know, using your opponent's resources against them is a, is a big deal. And if you can master this again, it comes from that recon that we did, right? We recon what our, our competitors are doing. If they are, um, you know, coming out with a, with a new product, uh, you know, for example, what can we do that will sort of use their wind, you know, against them? That kind of thing. Um, you kind of see this in the mobile phones, by the way. Uh, you can, uh, because um, there's a lot of money spent on mobile phones, you can, you can witness their tactics pretty easily. But do you ever notice, when does Apple launch products? Everybody know? Right? They have a press conference when? Late August. When's the product available? September. Right? When's the new iOS coming out? Same time, right? Exactly. So when, when, you, when you know stuff like that, and of course there are other mobile phone competitors do, they tend to use it. They tend to come out, you know, 
beforehand. You know, they tend to use the wave and they'll go to journalists and say, um, hey, when you're talking about the new, you know, this, what, what if we went out a few weeks ahead of time and then you could compare their stuff with our stuff so that we could, um, I mean, it's a classic uh, public relations thing. If you know somebody's going to do a launch, you launch earlier especially even if you soft launch with some press so that you can kind of infiltrate their stories. You know, it's better for the, um, it's much better for the reporter because the reporter gets a more balanced story. They get the information. And at the same time, you know, it's, um, it weakens, uh, it weakens your competitor because their story, which would have been all about them, you've now infiltrated and you're in there. And people say, well, Scott, how do you do that? That just sounds, that sounds crazy. Well, you know, you take the Google and you type in your competitor's name. You see who's writing about them and you add them to your media list. Oh, I know. I know. It's difficult. It's hard to do. I know. And that's, that's why it's, it's difficult. But try not to be scared off by the incredible complexity of what I just said. Um, and, of course, I'm being sarcastic. But it's super easy to do. You know, all you do is monitor your competitors. On all of my clients, I always monitor the competitors. And I am ridiculously opportunistic when it comes to looking for ways that I can get my clients into stories that they're going to write about their competitors. It's a double whammy. Why not? You know? You should do it. You should absolutely do it. My last tip uh, about going gorilla is remember that it's all about experimentation. You know? Being going guerrilla, the definition is unconventional warfare, right? So for something to be unconventional, um, that's a shifting definition. That's a definition that's going to change and shift over time. So um, today's crazy unconventional warfare tactic might be tomorrow's mainstream warfare tactic, right? Right. So um, that's why you got to try new stuff. You got to try new stuff and measure it. You know, uh, is influencer marketing for you? Maybe again, do it the right way. Do it the right way. Don't buy, don't pay for stuff, you know, that you don't have to and, and pay attention to stuff like that. But, but do try new stuff. Try, you know, new shows, smaller shows. How can we get word of mouth going? You know, you know, should we have a spokesperson? All those kind of things. Anyway, those are my tips. Marketing is always an investment. In the case of guerrilla marketing, you know, we're investing energy instead of money, but the investment is really there. You know, marketers, we're quirky, we're different, we see things differently, we have wild ideas to capture the attention and imagination of our audiences, and we have a vast arsenal of weapons to use. So use them. Get out there and do something that no one's ever seen before. Always strive to make your marketing the very best stuff in this battle. That's it for me, kids. I'll be off next week, and I want to wish everybody a safe and happy Thanksgiving holiday. For now, this is Scott Robertson signing off for May the Best Brand Win on Intertalk Radio, the undisputed leader on Music Biz Talk. You know what's all around you every waking moment of your life? Marketing. You're choking on it. I'm Scott Robertson, and when it comes to strategic PR, branding, and marketing, I've seen it all. And actually, I'm still seeing it because bad marketing never sleeps. Join me each week on May the Best Brand Win right here on Intertalk Radio and learn how to make the marketing for your brand unforgettable. 
Hi, this is Tim Dolbear from Eclectica Studios. I'm a full-time mixing and recording engineer. I work with Grammy winners, labels, and indie artists using state-of-the-art digital mixing and restoration tools and the very best in analog gear. Really, though, it's my ability to bring tracks to life and fulfill your vision for your music. This has made me sought after by producers and artists worldwide. So spend your time working on music and not chasing a mix down a rabbit hole. Go to timdolbear.com and check out our free one-song mix offer. Are you serious about your music? Are you ready to run with the big dogs? The experts at Pitbull Audio have the gear to get you into the game. From leading manufacturers like Mesa Boogie, Fender, Pioneer, and American Audio. To sound your best, you need the best. Pitbull Audio can deliver in rehearsal, on stage, and into the big time. Dropping beats, shredding guitar, or making the crowd roar. Whatever you dream, Pitbull Audio can help make it happen. We are Pitbull Audio. We want you to play it loud. PitbullAudio.com. This is Jackie Bertoni from Jackie's Groove. Come join me weekly on my journey through the music business as I take you behind the velvet rope, interviewing industry notables such as Al DiMiola, Michael McDonald, and Al Jarreau, to name but a few. Listen to their stories on being in the studios recording number one hits and onto the stages throughout the globe. Allow me to be your music historian. You can hear me live every Monday at 2 p.m. and every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time or 24-7 on Jackie'sGroove.com. Ready to get your groove on?